Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Good morning. Um, man, I love this church. Um, if you're if you're brand new here, if maybe this is your first time or maybe the first couple times you're you're checking out the church, I just want to say right off the bat, I'm not the normal guy. So don't judge your experience on me, okay? <laughs> if you're like, that was terrible. Um, uh, Caleb is wonderful. Uh, like Pastor Brad just said, he's gone this week. But uh, please come back and uh, sit under his leadership. Uh, I'm not even on staff here. So if I butcher this, like they can't even fire me, you know, but like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really do love this church. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I was new like months ago. We, our family, we just jumped in months ago over in the Bluffton. We just moved here a year, about a year ago from the West coast. Um, and I'm a Christian. I know that's weird. You're like West coast and a Christian at the same time. It's like, it's, it's true. There's a few of us. Well, one less cause I moved here, but there's, there were a few of us there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, this has been new home for us too. And, um, I'll be totally honest with you guys. I, um, I have been cynical of churches and church leadership for many, many years. And that's something I've had to deal with in my own heart and spirit. And so my wife was like, Hey, let's go to this church. And I was like, we'd been going to a bunch of different churches. And uh, she's like, let's go to the Christian renewal. We homeschool. And there's a lot of homeschool families that come here. And so, and I was, I told her, no, I'm like, no. I don't really want to go. And uh, we came, and I kind of, in my subconscious, cynical, critical heart, just kind of, you know, had my arms crossed. And, uh, and I heard Caleb teach, and I was like, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> this is good. And uh, Layla, we got back in the car, and Layla's like, what do you think? And I was like, you know, just brush on. Then we go back the next week, and uh, again, Holy Spirit is just working, man. I just, I just start bawling in the middle of the service. And Layla looks over at me. I'm like, don't look at me right now. Don't, <laughs> don't do this. And anyway, I ended up meeting with, with Pastor Caleb. At, uh, we had lunch together. And I told him, dude, I, I really didn't want to like the church or you. <laughs> and, um, and he was really gracious to hear those words. But uh, it's just a good church, man. I, I'm in churches all the time all over the country. And uh, there are a lot of churches... Um, I'm going to be gracious about There are a lot of churches who really would love to see their kingdom grow. And um, I'm so refreshed by the leadership here because I think they really, really just want to see the kingdom of Jesus magnified. And, uh, and I want to be a part of a church like that, that doesn't really care about their name, but cares about the name of Jesus and him glorified. And so that's why I keep coming because I really believe that. Uh, we're just attendees here. Like we're members of this church and we love it and we're, um, we're honored to be part of what God's doing here. So uh, if you're new, this really is a great church. And I, I trust the leader. I'm, I'm around a lot of church leaders, and um, the, the leaders here are trustworthy. And praise God. Let me pray for us. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll jump right in. Jesus, we love you. We know that nothing, if, if you don't show up, if your spirit doesn't come and work this morning, this is a big waste of time, and we don't want to waste time. God, we want our hearts and lives to be different. We want to encounter you, King Jesus. Would we submit our ways to you, Lord? Would you come and would you change us by your word? Um, There's some people who walked in here today who are full of pride. I pray that you would humble them. God, there's a lot of people who came in here today who are broken. I pray that you would comfort them. God, would we meet you and would we walk out of here different? We believe that you're the God of the universe. And if we actually encounter you, there's no way that we could leave here without being changed. Change us, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I don't like when people name drop. 
Uh, I get annoyed by that. Uh, but I'm going to do that right now. So just forgive me. Uh, through a weird set of circumstances, uh, I'm not a cool guy. I'm not a famous guy or anything. But through a weird set of circumstances, I've become friends with Ben Roethlisberger, who is a massive, if you're familiar with football, Okay, 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 okay. We don't need all that. You know, just calm down. Uh, he and I have become really close friends. God's doing an incredible work in his heart. He brought, God brought Ben an incredible wife who loves Jesus and has really used her to draw his heart back to God. It's just been, he's, it's awesome. So we've been friends. We've become really close friends. We spent, our family spent 4th of July together uh, a couple weeks ago. And there, if you know, if you've, if you're not familiar with football, they call him Big Ben because he's huge. All football players are big. He's really big. They call him Big Ben. Okay, So I'll just be sitting with him sometimes, and it's impossible to not feel the size differential when you're around him. Like, I, as we're talking and he's talking about something, all I'm thinking of is, does he think I'm tiny? Like that's all. Because <laughs> that's all I'm thinking about is how tiny I feel around him. He's so huge. And I'm reminded, like, I could net, you would kill me. Like, I, 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 there's no way I could play football. Um, in high school, I actually played soccer. Um, you're like, people are like, that checks out. You know, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I played soccer, but I love football. I remember one time I was in my, uh, I was a freshman in high school, and I'm at my locker, and they did this on, I don't know if they still do this here. Are there any high school students in here? Awesome. One high school student. Great to have you, buddy. Praise God you're here. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't mean to, like, single you out. I was thinking there was going to be, like, a bunch of people here, you know. But, uh, at high schools, do they still wear, like, the jersey on game day? Is that a thing? Okay, so on, on game day. So this was game day. It was Friday. I'm at my locker. I'm a little freshman. It's Friday, game day. All the football players wearing their jersey. All of a sudden, this guy, well, senior in high school, walks into the locker hall. And he's, he's a senior wearing his football jersey. And the atmosphere of the hall just changed. It was like, he was just cool. And then I remember turning around. Little, I'm like... 14, 15 years old. I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to get my bearings on everything. I turn around and I'm looking how everyone's kind of looking at him. And I remember the way, I'm going to be honest, the way that the girls looked at him. And I was like, dang, that guy's cool. That guy's cool. And my first thought was, I need a football jersey. So that was game day. That was Friday. On Monday, we're at soccer practice. Our fields practice next to each other, soccer field, football field. And your, your brain's not fully, I'm sorry, but your brain's not fully developed in high school. Um, it'll come. It, for me, it was like 30, you know, but <laughs> your brain's not fully developed. So I'm in the middle of playing soccer on the soccer field. And all of a sudden, I just thought to myself, real random, middle of practice, just thought to myself, I'm going to run over to the football field and just try to get a jersey, see if I can get on the team. I literally left my soccer team ran over to the football field, went up to the coach, and I was like, hey, do you guys need a kicker? And he was, he was like, who are you? What is going on? He looked at me, and I thought, I just, I've never kicked a football in my life, but I thought, if you can kick a soccer ball, you can kick a football. Like, how hard can that be? So I'm like, do you need a kicker? And he's like, sure. You know, we'll use kicker. I'm like, whoa, awesome. Where do I get my jersey? <laughs> so I got a jersey. I'm playing the game. I'm playing on the football team. They didn't like me. I didn't even practice with them. I didn't, I didn't really care. I just, I was, I had a jersey. That's all I want. I wore that thing day and night, night and day, Monday to Friday, holidays, weekends, like didn't all the time. Love that jersey. I remember at the end of the season, we were playing a game and we were winning by a lot. And, uh, I'm, and I'm just sitting on the bench with like the backup punter, you know, like I don't, it just, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the game. And all of a sudden I hear these words. Lopes, you're in. That's my last name, Lopes, not Lopez. So I hear the coach yell, Lopes, you're in. And I'm like, 
that's weird because I know we didn't score, so I don't know why I would go in. And then, you know, football coaches get, he gets real mad. It's like, Lopes, you're in. So I just run out there. I have no clue what's going on. They're in a circle. So I just kind of lean into the circle. They start saying a bunch of letters and numbers and colors, things I've never heard before. And I didn't know this was part of the plan, but out of nowhere, they all clap their hands at the same time and run away. And I'm just standing there. And I look at the quarterback and I said, I have no clue what's going on. And he looked right, he looked, he looked at me right in the eye and he said, ball's coming to you, Lopes. I said, what? He said, ball's coming to you. I'm, my heart is pounding. I'm standing there in the line. He snaps the ball and looks at me and I go like this, no. <laughs> Which clearly he didn't get because he throws me the ball. I catch the ball and I turn it and there's two just giant defenders. I'm in my like kicker pads. I'm 113 pounds soaking wet. I'm like, there's no way I'm running toward those guys. So I thought to myself, I'm just going to run and give him the ball back. Clearly <laughs> we had a misunderstanding. So I start running toward him. And as I'm running toward him, they're running toward me. So I start going like this short story long. This has turned out much longer than I wanted. I get end up getting tackled by my own team before I lost about 25 yards on the play. Coach is yelling at me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? Why did you put me in? Like, I don't, I wanted a jersey. Have you ever got yourself in a situation where you didn't, it turned out to be way different than what you expected? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter five. I'm gonna give you some context as you're flipping there. We'll have it on the screens for you. As we're flipping to Matthew chapter 5, I'll come back to that story in a minute. But Matthew chapter 5, the context here is this. The, the Jewish people, people are under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And when you think through the Roman Empire, like the, what does that mean, oppression? What the, what the Roman people were doing, what the Roman Empire was doing to the Jewish people, they were saying, listen, I know you guys are very religious and you have your Torah and all these religious ceremonies. We'll tell you when you can read your scriptures. We'll tell you what you can do. We'll tell you when you can pray and when you can worship and when you can read your scriptures. In fact, we're going to destroy your temple. We are in charge of you now. They are under the thumb of Roman oppression. That's their whole life. Everything from taxes to economically to spiritually. Sometimes there would be Jewish people that try to rise up and like, man, this isn't right. I don't want to be under the oppression of the Romans. If you did Romans, if you did that, you would be persecuted and sometimes killed. Like it's, it's dark oppression that these people, God's people are experiencing. And for generations, they're being told a savior's coming. A king is coming. Who's going to rescue us from this terrible oppression from the Roman government. We're going to be saved one day. A king's coming. Your grandparents would tell you your great grandparents. It had been passed down from generation to generation. Somebody's coming. A king is coming and he's going to save us. So now you have this guy show up named Jesus. And he's claiming to be this king that's going to save us. The king that's going to finally rescue us from oppression. He gathers some disciples together, but he's done no public messages yet. Then he goes up. Bible says that he sees the crowds and he's about to give the first public message of his life, of his ministry. This is the biggest and greatest sermon that Jesus ever gave. It's the first time that a big group of people would hear what is this king like? We've been waiting for a king. We've been hearing about a king for a long time. 
Is this guy going to save us? Is he going to be the king that we were hoping for? And if so, what's he like? As Jesus would have been teaching, they would have been on the edge of their seat. Is this really the one? Like, is this really the one that we've been waiting for? What's he like? What's he going to say? And these are Jesus's first public words as a message. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you've been around church a while or you're familiar with the Bible, you may read that passage. It's a very familiar passage. And you're like, man, that's, I love that passage. It's comforting. If you're not familiar with the scriptures, maybe you're brand new to this whole Bible thing and you read that, that is super confusing, maybe even a little bit weird. The Greek, the way that the Greek would translate blessed is actually happy. So there's something like, not like emotional, like a deep sense of joy. So you're talking about happy are those who are mourning, blessed, joy-filled are those who are persecuted, who are broken, who are poor in spirit. I imagine Peter, if you're familiar with the scriptures, one of Jesus' disciples was Peter. He's always kind of like, he just seemed to always be like kind of proud to be part of Jesus' team. He's ready, aim, fire kind of guy, just say whatever comes to his mind. I imagine during this, when Jesus first called him, he probably felt some sense of pride, like, yeah. A king's coming. This is our new king, and he's invited me to be part of his kingdom. Like, he probably had a little bit of a swag, a chip on his shoulder. And he shows up, and he's like, all right, everybody listen. Our king is about to say something. And Jesus' first words are, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I can imagine Peter probably went like this, like, what? Like, this is your presidential speech, your campaign speech, your opening line, blessed are the poor in spirit? We're all, we're, we're already poor in spirit. We've been oppressed for a long time. Blessed are the persecuted. Peter was probably thinking like, what what are you, Jesus, wait, hold on. Let's, let's flip this up. Like, let's change this up. This isn't really a crowd pleaser. Why was Jesus talking about blessing? Honestly, truly, if you're not familiar with the scriptures, it doesn't make any sense. What was a blessing for them? What had they been hoping for for a long, hundreds of years? What were they hoping for? They were hoping that a king would come and bless them. What did they mean? They, they want financial freedom. They want to be powerful. They want to have an army. They want to be strong. They don't want to be oppressed anymore. They want to be able to say, I'm oppressing you, Romans. I'm getting you back. You've been getting us all this time. We're going to get you back. We want our freedom back. We're going to be strong and mighty and wealthy and comfortable. Our stomachs will be full. 
That's what blessing looks like. You know what's crazy is if you fast forward thousands of years, from that day to 2023, blessing to them looked a lot like blessing to us. If you said, what does it mean to be blessed? People would say, well, maybe I'm healthy, I'm well taken care of. God's been good to us. We have a home. We have a place to live. You start naming these things. Just for those of you young folks that are on social media, you just search the hashtag blessed. What will you find? Probably somebody who got a new house, a new car, a job. What you won't find is somebody like taking a selfie, crying, mourning, persecuted, hashtag blessed. Nobody's doing that. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, it means to, be, to get what I want. For the, for the sake of our conversation, let's just say a blessing is anything that helps us get closer to our goal. So if my goal is that I would be healthy, well, then when I go to the doctor, if I go to the doctor and he check, I get a physical and he's like, Jared, you look good. You're nice and healthy. Then I would say, man, so blessed. God's been good to me. I'm getting closer to my goal. Not a bad thing, by the way. I want to be healthy for my family, for my kids, for my great-grandkids, hopefully one day. What if, what if uh, my goal is to have, be financially secure and I go to work and my boss says, hey, you're, I'm, I'm going to give you a raise. You've done great work. Man, what a blessing. It's helping me get closer to my goal. I want to, I want to be healthy and I want to have more stuff and I want to, you know, good health and I have a good marriage. All these things are good, good things, blessings. But for some reason, these aren't the things that Jesus said are a blessing. Jesus defines blessing when you're poor in spirit, when you're mourning, when you're broken, when you're persecuted. Why? Truthfully, it's weird. There's a, there's a guy later in the scriptures named Paul who says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You're not a Christian. That's weird. To die is gain? What are you talking about? Paul would say, if I get to live, man, praise God, I, my whole life is dedicated to the glory of Jesus, to the advancement of his kingdom. But if I die, even better. Why? Because Jesus was the goal. Jesus was saying, listen, I know for you, for a long time, you've been persecuted. You've been broken. You've been oppressed. You've been longing for a king to save you. You've been longing for God to bless you. But blessings in my kingdom are way different. I'm not going to give you your new goals. I'm going to give you me. Blessing in the kingdom of God is Jesus, period. Just Jesus. He was taking all the things that they said, man, this would be so good if we could just have these blessings. And Jesus was taking them and he was flipping them upside down on their head. In my kingdom, blessing actually looks way different. When he's talking about this word poor in spirit, what does he mean? He means bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. You have nothing to offer God. The word translated in Greek actually would come out to beggar. You are so desperate, you're begging. That's what poor in spirit means. Mourning means you are deeply broken. There was probably eight years ago now, I, uh, hard to talk about. My wife and I went through a really terrible season of our marriage. Um, I was a pastor. I tried to plant a church. It failed. It blew up. It was terrible. And I got deeply hurt. 
And I went into a seat. I, no, no doctor ever like said you're you're depressed. But looking back, I think I had all the signs of what they would say is depression. Just dark spot in my life. In bed all the time. Didn't want to talk to anybody. I pushed my wife away. I pushed my kids away. I pushed the church, all my church friends away. I didn't go to church. I pushed everyone away. We, my wife and I were in like, we were um, legitimately thought we were going to get a divorce. And I remember I was sitting in the car one day in the middle of this season of life. And I pulled out my phone and I Googled divorce lawyers near me. And if you've been married, you know, longer than three months, we all have weird thoughts in marriage, you know. But to actually type the words out, divorce lawyers near me, to actually like seek out, I really genuinely thought I'm going to get a divorce and I need to figure out like how we're going to do this logistically. Just a dark season, man. I was deep in sin. And I remember one day we were, my wife and I were in our bedroom and uh, this was like the beginning of the end for us. I remember we were in the middle of a fight. Well, she said something to me, and I knew it was about to trigger a fight. <laughs> Again, if you're married, you know that scenario. Your wife says something, your husband says something, it's like, oh, this is going to turn into a fight. Here we go. So she says something to me, and I'm like, all right, let's fight. And my wife, um, she's smarter than me, man, and I don't like it. Because she'll ask me questions, and it's like she traps me. With where I get emotional, she's just like, she starts asking me questions and traps me, and I don't like that. So she, I knew she was going to go, like, real smart. And so my, my strategy that day was, I'm just going to be mean. I'm going to hurt her. And so she says something to me that I know we're about to fight, and I say something back to her to just hurt her on purpose. That's how dark of a spot I was. I say something to her to hurt her, and she starts to get tears in her eyes. And I was in such a dark spot. When I saw her starting to cry, I thought to myself, I'm winning, finally. I'm winning this fight. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes, and she said, Jared, I just want you to know that I've been setting my alarm to go off in the middle of the night, and I've been going into the living room, and I've been begging God to capture your heart again. I wasn't ready for that. I was ready to fight, but I wasn't ready for that. Romans says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Uh, it was the kindness of God through my wife that led my heart to repentance. My wife was poor in spirit. She was begging God. God, I have nothing left to give in this marriage. I don't know what else to do to save my marriage. I desperately need you to show up. I'm on my face with tears, God, please show up. And Jesus would have said, you're getting close to your blessing. And in her brokenness and in her kindness, that started to lead me to my repentance. You know where I started to get? On that day, you know what God started? The spirit of God started doing in my heart. I started to mourn my own sin. My son was three at the time, which was the age that my dad bailed on me. And I started to think to myself, Am I going to live in sin and cause more generations of pain? Or am I going to submit myself to God, to turn from my ways, to come back to him, to live differently than my dad and my grandpa lived, that the spirit of God would work through me to, 
heal generations moving forward. And I started to mourn my sin. What am I doing? Jesus, I need you. And I think in that moment, listen, bought a house once, that was cool. Got a new car once, cool, blessed. You know what really felt like a blessing? Being desperate for Jesus. That really felt like a blessing because I started to experience God in ways that I had never experienced him before. When I had all of me laid out, sinful, broken, messed up, jacked up. I was a pastor, deep in sin, about to get a divorce. Here's all of me, broken and messy. And Jesus said, blessed are you who mourn. You'll be comforted. I'm going to ask Seth to come up. I, w- I want to just end with a couple thoughts here. I think there are three types of people in this room, just statistically speaking. There are some of you who, I love you. I'm part of this church, okay? So hear me, I love you. There are some of us in this church who we want Jesus, but we just really want the jersey. Some of us are hoping that Jesus actually helps us get to our blessing. Jesus, I love you, but I really want your stuff. I want to be, I just want to be part of the team. And Jesus might look at you and say, listen, I'm not here to just give you a bunch of stuff. I'm here to give you me. Are you sure you want it? Are you sure? Pastor Caleb has been teaching us through the book of Mark and just time and time again, we are confronted with this is who Jesus is. Are we sure we're all in or do we just want a jersey? I didn't really want to play football. I wanted a jersey. Some of us, I don't really want to follow Jesus. I just want to be part of the team. And Jesus would say, listen, what if I don't give you any of the things you're begging me for? I just give you me. Is that enough? Think about the thing that you've been thinking about you as you fall asleep at night. God, I just, God, please give me this. Even good things. God, give me this. You're just begging God, God, please just give me X, Y, Z, whatever the thing is. God, give me this. And what if Jesus says no? No, but I will give you me. Do you want it? I heard a pastor say one time, what if, what if heaven was everything you imagined it would be, but Jesus wasn't there? You still want to go? Changes our perspective. What if Jesus doesn't give you any of the things you're begging for, but he gives you himself? What if Jesus says, instead of the things you're begging for, I'm actually, you might go through some pain and through some persecution, but I promise you, you'll fall more in love with me. You'll experience me in ways you've never experienced. Do you want me? Are you sure? Do you just want the jersey or do you want Jesus? That's group one. There's another group of you who have, you're in the middle of your deep pain and brokenness. You are at the end of your rope, maybe like my wife, on your face, pleading God, God, I am so broken. You came in here today on your last straw. You are overwhelmed with pain, addiction, fear, shame, anxiety, depression, whatever. You are on your last straw and you are begging God, God, give me some, give me out of this. God bless me. I'm just... Maybe, what if God would tell you this morning, you might actually be in the middle of your blessing? What if the blessing is right where you're at in your brokenness? 
What if right now in the middle of your desperation, your bankruptcy, your mourning, your poor in spirit, you're overwhelmed. Jesus would say, you're getting close to finding me. Don't try to pray your way out of the blessing. You're in the middle of it. Instead, turn to me. I will comfort you. I will fill your cup. I'm not here to give you everything you need. I'm here to give you me, and that's enough. Some of you came in here today, and you know for sure you're not even a Christian. You know, you're just like, no, I'm not a Christian. And you don't, however you ended up here today, you wandered in, you felt like maybe I should go to church, a friend dragged you, your wife dragged you, whatever, you're here today. But you know, like, I'm not, I'm not a Christian. And you've been chasing every blessing that the world has told you, this is a blessing. Just go get it, man. Chase after it. Get more stuff. Get more money. Fill that bank account. Get your pleasures. Get your comfort. And the truth is you keep putting your head down on your pillow at night. You keep waking up the next morning and it didn't actually satisfy you. All the things that the world said would be a blessing don't actually feel like a blessing to you. And somehow you read the words of Jesus, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And that doesn't even really make sense to you, but something in your spirit says, man, that's actually compelling. I want that. I want to find Jesus. I want my soul to be satisfied. I need to be comforted. And nothing else that this world has offered me is comforting. I need Jesus. And before the creation of the world, God planned for you to be sitting here today to speak to you. How crazy is that? God had an appointment with you today. For some of us in that first group, we need to repent. God, I'm sorry that I've chased after the blessing more than I've chased after you. I'm sorry that I've wanted the jersey more than I've wanted you. For some of us in the second group, those who are at their end, your prayer would be, Jesus, I'm not even going to pray that you would rescue me from this. I'm just going to pray that I'd find you in deeper ways. I'm not even going to pray that you get me out of it. I'm just going to pray that I find you in ways I've never found you before. And for those of you in that third group, some of you, man, today's the day of salvation. That you would say, I've chased after blessing in every other way, and it's all failed me. And this is crazy that Jesus would say, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Actually, I am poor in spirit, and I want the blessing of Jesus. I don't want the blessing of this world. And today you would say, I'm tired of being king of my own life. I need to surrender to that king. And you would say, I'm ready to give up everything to follow you, Christ. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you comfort us. You convict us. Thank you that your kindness leads us to repentance. God, I pray that your kindness today would turn hearts back to you. God, that we would not chase after the blessings of this world. We would chase after you. God, I pray that people today would meet you for the first time, encounter you again, find rest in you again. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jared. Church family, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask for you a favor today. Would you just hang with us this morning as we go into ministry time? Our, our staff, our pastoral team has been praying into a word for about the last six to eight weeks. And I believe this morning 
is going to be a, a stack stone moment in our church. I, I really believe that. A crossing over. This is a really strong word. Miss Jackie, would you come for us this morning that we've been praying into? And as we're entering this season uh, of the fast, as we come to the prayer gathering in August, um, we just sense Holy Spirit on this word. It's a strong word. So come Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Good morning. I've come today to bring a prophetic word of warning. The Lord's been dealing with my heart for months. And as Brad said, I've shared with Brad and Caleb along the way. The Lord began to show me last December when we were home in Ohio that he was going to begin to expose hidden sin in our midst. And I've seen it happen. I've known by the Spirit things that are happening, and I've watched people come under the Lord exposing their sin. In Luke 12, 2, it says, Nothing that is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. The enemy reveals things to crush us, to destroy us. But God reveals things to set us free. And people were not all free. And God is coming to do a deep work in our midst. There is no one exempt. Leaders, it's not the people that you serve, but it's you. And people, if you're not a leader, it's you. God has told me that he's going to sweep through this church and bring the conviction of the Spirit to every one of you. We have prayed. We've asked God to clean up his church, to purify his church. And he said, I will. And when I understood that last December, fear the fear of God began to grip my heart and I began to live at the altar. I sit in the front row, so I don't know if any of you have seen me, but there is not a Sunday or Wednesday that I don't come to the altar. I've shared a couple words in the past months about coming and dealing with God, being low And I've seen some of you respond, and I am so thankful that you've heard that word. But we need many, many more to respond. Then about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, I was sitting here on a Wednesday night, and I had an open vision. And an open vision is different. And when God speaks to me with an open vision, it's always been significant and I pay attention. And what I saw was a cloud over our sanctuary and on it was written the fear of the Lord. And as I prayed, I sensed that the Lord was saying, it's going to fall on this house, whether we like it or not. But he is waiting for us to welcome the fear of the Lord to come. He's looking for those that are low. He is going to reveal hidden sin. 
fear causes us to run away from God. The fear of God is different. It's a trembling running towards him saying, oh God, I did it again. Here I am. Help me, Lord. And the fear of the Lord is going to begin to enter this house today. And I pray right now that the spirit of conviction would pierce each heart that's here, every one of you, and that God would begin to bring that conviction of his spirit. As the fear of the Lord descends, much more is going to be revealed. And his call to us is to come and reveal our own sin and repent of our sin before he does. And so I would rather come and expose myself, say to a fellow, I'm dealing with this, help me. Say to God, oh God, help me. I would rather do that than my sin exposing me. And for some of you, this is going to feel like the enemy, and it's not. It's God. God is taking serious cleaning up his church. God is not playing games. Seth has had a word that our days are numbered, and truly they're numbered, and we need to take this seriously. I've walked with the Lord for 51 years, And what I sense is the most intense shift in the spirit that I've ever experienced. Holiness is coming back to this house. Holiness is what God wants. And so I pray right now that the fear of the Lord that I saw hovering would enter this house. He's asked me to ask you guys to come and repent, to come to the altar. He is going to expose these sins, but he wants you to expose them first. Sexual sin. If you're in sexual sin, quit playing games. Call it for what it is and come and repent. Substance abuse. You may not be addicted, but you're under the influence of substances. You need to come and say, God, help me and lay it down. As I've walked these aisles, I have, by discerning of spirit, sensed a deep bitterness on many of you. And he's saying that we need to stop blaming others for our bitterness and just come and say, oh, God change my heart there's a religious spirit there's a thread of that running through this church some of you are more comfortable with rules than relationship and you're more comfortable pointing fingers and God is saying that needs to stop he's shown me that there's some of you that are just in pretense wanting the jersey and not playing the game. What he showed me was that there's some in shallow waters, but they want to be seen as if they're in the deep things of God. And I literally saw a man taking and splashing water on his head so it would look as if he had come out of the deep. 
And God said, lay down the pretense. Divided heart, Brad has shared this word. And you might say, what is a divided heart? Let me, in the book of John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we read that as if it says, if you love me, you better keep my commandments. It's not what it says. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if you're not keeping the commandments of God, and you know if you are, and you say you love God, you have a divided heart. You need to come and say, God, I want to be all in. Help me. There's many more things I haven't mentioned that the Lord said we take for granted in the church. Anger. There's some caught up in anger. Gluttony. Gossip. Gossip is rampant. And we disguise it as prayer requests. We disguise it as, but I'm just concerned. And God is saying, he is going to begin to pierce your heart. And when that happens, you need to come to the altar. Some of you that have never walked up here. And it's time that you come. So I'm going to pray now that the fear of the Lord would enter this house. Holy Spirit, come. Let your conviction, let your revelation penetrate each one. The warning is the time is coming for the church to return to holiness. And God is done playing games with us. When you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you need to get up and come to the altar. And God will meet you here. The altars are open. Come now.